It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What up, y'all? We are back with another edition of the DNVR Rams podcast. As always, I am Justin Michael. I am your host, and I am stoked about today's guest. I was able to catch up with Alex Simpson. He is the director of scouting for Catapult Sports out in California. And it was just awesome to be able to pick his brain on this 2024 class. He's had a ton of high praise for this CSU staff and their efforts out on the West Coast specifically. But we were able to talk about some of these coaches and what makes them such good recruiters. In his opinion, he talked about the way they're able to connect with these kids in a way that a lot of coaches across the country are not able to. They're very active. They're consistent. We also got into seven on sevens and just kind of how that has all exploded on the recruiting scene in the last decade and some of the other changes in college football. Honestly, it was the type of interview that I love because it felt like a couple of guys that just genuinely love college football and had an opportunity to nerd out. We'd never talked previously uh, other than, you know, on Twitter. But I think we're going to be talking a lot more in the future because Alec is a really cool dude, really down to earth, but also just super knowledgeable, which you guys are going to hear on this interview, really knows his stuff, was able to go in depth on a lot of these different prospects. It was just a really good time. Uh, Before we get into it, on a separate note, I hope everybody had a safe and fun 4th of July. I got to spend some time out on the Western Slope with the girlfriend, her family. It's always a ton of fun. My dog certainly loves it. But yeah, just nice to kind of unwind a little bit, spend some time with loved ones, take a couple days off. We'll do that again at the beginning of August, though the pod feed won't be going dark. I'll have some pre-recorded interviews for you guys. Don't worry. And then we'll be in the swing of football season and it's going to be epic. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm really starting to itch for that grind. I love the process of just going to practice and being able to talk with the coaches and the players. And it's going to be here before we know it. Uh, Before we get to this interview with Alex Simpson, do want to shout out our homies at Saturday Neon. It was a company started by two friends, former college roommates that make officially licensed collegiate logo LED neon signs. Whether you're a diehard fan, just a casual supporter, you're going to love the way these bad boys pop. We've got both a CSU and a CU sign in the DMVR bar. Saturday Neon signs are made with high quality materials. They're backed by a two-year warranty. And they're shipped with everything you need to mount, power, and dim, so every sign is going to be easy to install and operate. They're officially licensed for 19 select schools, including at CSU, Go Rams. And these are great for offices, man caves, dorms, basements, bar areas, you name it. Go to SaturdayNeon.com, use the code DNVR for 10% off your order, free shipping for orders over $200. Again, that's SaturdayNeon.com, use that code DNVR. Also, you guys know that we love our Breck brews at DNVR, and that's just because there's no better way to watch a game, to hang out, to do anything really, than doing it with an ice-cold Breck brew in hand. 
as I told you guys earlier, I was out on the Western Slope and, you know, it made me think, you know what I need to hit up? I need to get me some Palisade peach wheat. I did. It was perfect on the 4th. The thing that I love about Breck beers is they're able to nail the flavor without it being overwhelming. It's just like the perfect amount of sweetness. It's not too much. Some of those fruit-flavored beers, they're just, they're completely overwhelming. Anyways, find the Palisade Peach on the Breck Beer Locator located at breckbrew.com. That's going to tell you the closest grocery store, liquor store, whatever near you. It takes all the inconvenience out of beer shopping. And if you're in the metro area, swing by the Breck Farmhouse. Have a beer slushy. It's summer slushy season. They're super good. They've got them out on the back patio. It's a great area to spend an evening. I love Breck Brew. You love Breck Brew. We all love Breck Brew. I'm stoked to have you on to talk about some of these guys uh, specifically, and we'll get into that. But just for those that maybe aren't quite familiar with what Catapult does, how would you describe your role? Because I think most people are familiar with the wearable technology and some of the data analysis that you do. How does that then apply to recruiting? Sure. That's a great question. Um, you know, when it comes to Catapult, there are multiple sectors of the company, right? So, um, you know, there's the wearable side when it comes to that wearable data. Um, and then there's also a scouting side. So I'm on the scouting side of things. We have 25 other scouts across the country that cover certain parts, uh, different regions of the country. Um, and I cover California and Hawaii for us here at Catapult. Um, you know, we have Kyle Morgan that does a great job of covering Arizona, uh, does a great job covering Nevada, Utah as well. Um, and then we also have, uh, we have a guy, Nick Farman that covers Pacific, Pacific Northwest area. Um, in Oregon and Washington. He does some international scouting for us as well. Um, so we have guys, I mean, that's just our West Coast team. But when it comes to, and then we also have Chris Jackson, um, Gregory Moreland, ton in the Bay Area as well. They do a great job of helping me out in California. Um, so, you know, California is a big state, a lot, of, a lot of ground to cover. And, you know, it's awesome to have those guys in the Bay Area too. But, you know, we're, we got a huge team here of scouts, of 25 guys that, you know, cover the country with, with data analytics and, and scouting information for, you know, over 250 college programs nationwide. So um, we do a really good job of making sure that, uh, you know, we're getting our clients up to date with the right information on these prospects and uh, getting them up to, up to speed with, you know, this 24 class and even 25s and 26s for that matter. I got to imagine July is maybe a little slower for you guys, given that it's the dead period, or is it the opposite? Is it coaches can't talk to high school players and stuff, so are they bugging you guys even more? Um, you know, I would say right now it's more of a calmer time in college football, considering it is a dead period, especially in recruiting. And, you know, we're heavily in the recruiting business. So um, when it comes to this time right now, um, it's definitely more of a calmer time, just getting ready for, uh, you know, August and uh, fall camp heading this way. And, you know, all of our scouts are going to be at uh, high school fall camp practices, you know, evaluating talent in our areas. Um, but when that time comes, I think it's really going to speed up. But I think right now it's it's more of a calmer time as you know, the spring evaluation period was heavy, full sprint, yeah. um, seeing a ton of high school kids, going to a lot of high school practices, um, going to a lot of seven on sevens, camps, combines, you name it. Um, that's where all of our scouts have been. So um, it was a really, really busy time for us in, in those couple months. Um, but I think right now it's more of a calmer transition, um, getting up to speed on all of our information um, when it comes to this fall. So um, that's really kind of where we're at when it comes to our, our side of things in, in this time, this time of the calendar year. This might be kind of a challenging question to answer, but I mean, you, you played football, you signed with Nevada out of high school, obviously, so you have the background, you know what it's like, not just from the scouting side, but what it's actually like to be out there. From your sure. perspective, 
like how much do you need to watch a guy before you can really have an accurate gauge of what his abilities are? Like, can you see him one time in seven on sevens and that's enough to get a, an evaluation? Or is it more of a thing where you kind of got to build it up and see him, you know, five, six, seven times? That's a great question. Um, I think it's a player by player basis. So it really depends on what prospect you're evaluating. I mean, for example, even walking into this class, right? Jordan Ross is a kid you can watch one time and go, yeah. that's that's a freaking ball player. Um, you know, that's a guy that's really explosive out the gate, um, really fluid and out of breaks and somebody that can win the 50-50 ball in the air. Um, it is really dynamic after the catch. Like you watch that tape and you watch in person, it all lines up. Um, and there's just major upside there. But there are some other kids when you watch them in person for the first time, you think, ah, you know, I, I might need to get another eye on that kid just considering, you know, how he develops over time. And, you know, we we watch kids from when they're, you know, sometimes in seventh and eighth grade all the way to when they're, you know, in junior seniors in high school and beyond. So um, that transition, that time period of what an athlete can do during those years is really crucial to their development and is really crucial in their recruitment. Um, you know, I think about myself and my body type from when I was a junior to a senior. I played my junior year of high school at 190 pounds at inside linebacker. Um, and then I played my senior year at 210 pounds and I was a different player. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you think about just the way that body types alone can develop within the span of a high school transitional years. And, uh, you know, throughout the time as a, re as a recruit, you know, it's just the body type alone can really develop in a huge way. But, you know, fundamentally, you know, your route running can crispen up. Um, you know, you start to work on your first step as an inside linebacker, your pad level, you know, all those things can really start to develop and move in the right direction for you during the recruiting process. But to answer your question, it's a really player by player basis. How much has this like i, I want to say specialization i guess or how much have you noticed it versus like when you were being recruited out of high school versus now it seems like there's a lot more guys you know private trainers seven on seven all of that stuff has that really grown as dramatically as i think it has or is it just that it's more mainstream now and that everybody's paying attention to it whereas like back in the day it's probably just some coaches and stuff that are there Great question. Um, I think about, uh, you know, I was a recruit in 2016 class. So seven on seven was obsolete. Like no one really uh, thought of seven on seven as, as, as a way to evaluate film or even get recruited. Um, you know, now we got seven on seven teams across the country, across city regions. Um, you know, we have teams competing everywhere in these national tournaments that are being broadcasted to, to the masses. Um, that was not a thing. Uh, eight years ago. Um, and it's a huge deal now when it comes to the evaluation process for the skill positions. Um, and on, on top of that, we even have linemen events now. Like there's not just seven on seven. There are linemen that are having five on fives where you got, you know, five offensive linemen and you got a, you got a full defensive line front and you're going one-on-ones for the entirety of the camp. And you're getting that work in, you know, from an interior lineman standpoint, which is really unique. Um, that was also not a thing. Um, now, I think we're finding ways to uh, help kids get recruited, um, to, to help them get evaluated and, and put them out to the masses in more ways than we used to by just, you know, clicking a huddle link, by just viewing a kid in person at a, uh, you know, a, a passing league, you know, when they're playing with their high school teams competing against each other in the summer. Um, there's more and more ways to get them in front of people and there's more and more ways to get them attention and get them media attention. So, you know, we're now in the day and age of NIL, right? So, when we're in this day and age, there's kids that are able to, you know, reach out to these media outlets and, uh, you know, continue to build their brands, build their personalities. And, you know, they got overtime now doing a whole seven on seven circuit across the country. You know, uh, pylon is a huge piece of that. 
um, on top of Battle 7-on-7 and many, many other organizations that are continuously building and growing um, throughout you know this industry. So um, it is a huge time right now for that 7-on-7 and uh, th- those alignment events. And they're, they're growing exponentially um, as the years continue to go on. But no, I mean, it's it's grown as fast as, as you're saying. I mean, it's it's a huge, huge industry right now. I do want to get into some of these guys, but I just have one more kind of question about, I guess, just the landscape of college football and how it's always evolving. From your perspective, you know, I think Jordan Ross could maybe be an example of this. With so many Power 5 schools going so heavy on the transfer portal, are you noticing that maybe some high school guys that would have landed at bigger schools or you know bigger programs in previous years, that some of these G5 programs are having a little bit more success just because the Power 5 coaches aren't really giving these guys the same time of day that they used to? Um, you know, I, I, that's also another player-by-player basis, right? But yeah. the transfer portal is, is booming right now. Um, and there's also transfer portal windows where – you know, you got a window of, you know, 60 days where these kids are getting looked at by everybody. And, you know, these kids have college experience. The reality is some of the kids in the professor portal have played, have significant experience, and they're big time names in college football. Um, and that's why they're able to go to these other destinations is because they have experience. But there's also a lot of guys in transfer portal that haven't played, that have never played it down, um, that that are still just trying to find a better fit for them and, and trying to evaluate that piece of their own recruiting. And, you know, some of these G5s do get really lucky and they end up landing some really, really talented players. But when, when it comes to the portal, um, it becomes really tough for the high, for these high school kids because the reality is it's like every school has a certain number of kids that can sign each year. Now, each school now is is saving a portion of those numbers to those transfer portal kids. Yeah. Um, and and that really hurts the JUCO and high school kids um, because there's only so many spots left and it makes it that much more competitive. And it makes it that much harder to get a, get a college scholarship, especially at the Division One level. So it, it it puts a fuel to the fire for these kids when it comes to really working hard. And you're you're competing with not only just the junior college kids anymore; you're competing with the transfer portal, which is a huge, huge piece of of recruiting these days. So um, when it comes to these kids and in, in in you know trying to get to the next level, they're having to work harder than ever before to get noticed by these college programs. That makes sense. I just. I would think, at least for a program like CSU, who, I mean, you're still going to use the portal, you know, but you don't have the same type of NIL, the same type of cash, you know, to throw at these big time recruits. And I just wonder if, you know, with some of these schools, if if maybe that there are some high school guys that are slipping under the cracks a little bit, just because these coaches are focusing so many scholarships on the portal guys. Yeah. And their kids are going to slip through the cracks every year. I mean, I, I, I see it more, I see it a lot, you know, and the reality is my job is to make sure these kids don't slip through the cracks is to make sure that they are noticed in front of a, a masses of college programs. Um, and, and that's my duty. And I continue to, you know, withhold that standard every day when I wake up and do this job. And my, I, my passion in this industry is to find the guys that nobody's talking about, to find the kids that have 20 to 30 followers on Twitter that no one knows about in the middle of nowhere. Um, that's what I love about scouting and evaluating here in college football and in this space. So, um, it's a really unique space to be a part of. And, uh, you know, that's the beauty in in this business is to be able to find the hidden gems and it's, it's a lot harder to do than, than most, but it's a fun opportunity to be able to do it. That's what fuels the fire for me every day. I just think it's cool that like, and you've alluded to some of this stuff just with the growth of 
the camps and huddle and everything being more publicly available. I just think it's neat that it gives so many people, I guess, like the opportunity to learn about some of this stuff. It just feels more accessible than it's ever been. And and I feel like it's easier to be a knowledgeable football fan or consumer, however you want to phrase it, than it's ever been because of people like you and all this info that's now out there. Of course. I mean, PFF has sometimes got public data, right? You know, when it comes to them and, you know, you got, you got rising draft analysts now that are covering the NFL draft full time and all these guys that are going through the process, you know, and that are getting looked at, that are getting noticed. I mean, uh, a CSU Ram, Tory Horton, I mean, he's a guy that's like getting super notoriety right now. And, you know, as a guy that could potentially be a, you know, Reese's senior role invite, you know, if, if everything goes well. Right. And the reality is like, you know, there's just more media out there. There's more people talking about this stuff and there's more people that are putting to the masses their knowledge of the game. And that allows the fans, the consumers to gain a football IQ and, and to raise their own knowledge of the game. Right. So yeah. I, I think it's really neat. The amount of media outlets that are out there, the amount of people that are talking about this stuff and the amount of people that love football, that love watching it and, and love evaluating it. I'm right there with you, man. You see a lot of people, you know, a lot of doom and gloom coverage when it comes to college football. Everything's dying. I understand there's a lot of change. I don't love all of it. But at the end of the day, like college football is still the best. Um, You've had a lot of praise for this CSU staff uh, online. Uh, That's kind of how we started interacting. I was, you know, retweeting some of the stuff. I've seen you post about Savage over the years, uh, Norvell, some of these other guys, Marcus Patton. What is it about this CSU staff that has made an impression to you? They're young, they're innovative, and they're relatable. Um, that's, I think, the one, those are the few key things about the CSU staff that uh, makes them special, makes them unique comparatively to the other, you know, college staffs and college football. Um, you know, they, they find a way to relate to the kids. Um, on top of that, at CSU, what you're able to show off to these kids is unbelievable when it comes to Fort Collins, the town. It's one of the better college towns in the country um, when it comes to that. On top of that, you know, you got power five level facilities in the Mount West over at Colorado State. Um, it is a high end college football facility. Um, and it's really awesome to see what the, you know, CSU alumni, you know, foundations have done to really build up that place. Um, and, you know, Jane Orvell is a coach that's, you know, got a wealth of experience now in this conference. Um, he knows how to win in this conference. And year one, it was probably tougher for him than most, you know, over the going on there at CSU. A lot of kids transfer in and out. Um, but the reality is um, he's got a really good staff to back him up. He's got a great staff that's going to allow him to grow within that facility, grow in that place. Um, and, and Chad Savage and, and company are a huge part of that. Um, I think Chad's done a really good job of relating to the kids, showing them that, you know, he can develop wide receivers at a high level um, and, and really be innovative on offense. Um, and there's just some really good coaches like James Finley is another guy. That's a LA dude, local guy from LA and, and has been in the high school scene for years before coming over to CSU. Um, so he's got contacts galore over here in the city. Um, he's got contacts all over the Southern California region. Um, and Marcus Patton's another guy that's making his print on Southern California. Um, there are guys that are making California a priority, you know, for Colorado state being in that, you know, Midlands part of the country, um, they're doing a really good job of prioritizing where there is really good talent. And they do a great job in Arizona too. Um, They've also done a great job in Texas and have done a really good job of hitting up, um, you know, homegrown talent in Colorado as well. So 
um, prioritizing, you know, where they need to recruit, how they need to recruit it, um, and, and, and doing it at a really high level has been really awesome to see from, you know, Chad Savage and company. We'll get right back to that interview with Alex Simpson. When you get hurt, though, Backus and Shanker is here to help. Backus and Shanker wins for Colorado families. They have been helping those who are seriously injured in Colorado for more than 25 years. They're free until they win money in your case. No upfront fee to speak with you about your case. No fee while they work on your case. No fee unless they win your case and win money for you. Backus and Shanker has already won over a billion dollars for their clients, now with even more locations serving all of Colorado, including neighborhood offices in Denver, Aurora, Inglewood, and Fort Collins. Backus and Shanker has the strength and power to win your case with more than 30 lawyers and 100 staff. Backus and Shanker helps with all kinds of injury cases when you weren't at fault, car accident, motorcycle, rideshare, pedestrians, trucks. They can even help if you're injured at work. Call Backus and Shanker at 222-2222 to find out if you have a case for free. Backus and Shanker wins. Also, take on the sun with gear that's built to last. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered for the warm weather ahead with premium polarized shades at an affordable price. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company that offers a world-class product that's just as good as any expensive pair we've worn. Durable frames and extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures. And that's not all either. Shady Rays offers the most insane protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements. If you lose or break your pair, even day one, they're going to send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. So you can wear your Shady Rays with confidence because they're going to have your back long after you purchase. You can shop the entire collection at their brand new location in the Park Meadows Mall, a full-stop shop for all things Shady Rays. And if you don't love your Shady Rays, exchange for a new pair or return them free within 30 days. No risk when you shop. Their team always has your back. Exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays giving out the best deal of the season. Go to ShadyRays.com. Use the code DNVR for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people. One of the things that's really stood out to me is it just feels like these guys, they're always on the road. Like they're always in California. They're always at different schools. And I understand that COVID probably warped just like what the the previous staff was able to do, especially in 2020. But, you know, I, I've been covering CSU for a long time. I was around the McElwain staff. I covered the Bobo staff. And it just feels like these guys are more persistent than what we've seen. And maybe that's, an overgeneralization, maybe I'm getting into the hype, but does it, does it seem like they're, I don't know, I, this is maybe not fair, but just like more dedicated than some of the other coaches you see across the country? I would say so. I mean, I, I wouldn't compare them to any other coaching staff on the country per se. Um, I think CSU does their own deal. Um, they do it at a really high level. Um, when it comes to social media and their presence on social media, um, they are consistently showing kids that they are out on the road, ready to find talent, wherever you are, we're going to come find you. Um, and they do a really good job of showing kids that, that they're ready to recruit at a high level. Um, so I think that's awesome to see about these guys. I think social media is a huge presence in, in college football recruiting in general. And they've, they've seen that in the industry and they've blown up in a huge way because of it. I mean, Chad Savage almost has 20,000 followers on Twitter. And that's for a reason because he's, he's, a well-known recruiter and got Mountain West recruiter of the year this last year, you know, because of the staff or, you know, because of the recruits he was able to pull in. Um, and this year he's off to a really, really good start. And the rest of that staff is off to a really good start. And, uh, you know, they may be up for, you know, winning that Mountain West number one recruiting title again this year. Um, I know last year they were just short uh, behind Boise State in the rankings last year, but I think this year they, they could potentially pull it off and they're certainly not done yet, you know, adding, you know, the first four-star recruit that CSU's seen in a long time in Jordan Ross, guy had multiple power five offers and, 
Um, when it came down to it, it came down to his relatability with Chad Savage and his ability to get developed by a really, really well-known receiver coach. And it's a great job at developing talent. I, um, that, that's one thing I think people, when you see the comments like, man, he picked CSU. I mean, they've had two Bolitnikoff finalists in the last 10 years. It was before Norvell, but they sent, you know, five receivers to the league in the last 10 years. And then Norvell itself, I mean, his background with re- receivers, it makes a lot of sense to me. Um, you worked at Rivals previously. I, I just have a quick question about the stars because I sure. noticed that Jordan Ross overnight, his composite score went down once it came out that he had committed to CSU. Is that coincidence or is it be like, how, how does that work? It feels like every time there's like a four-star prospect and they're in the mix with a Power 5 program and a G5, if they pick the G5 school, their ranking goes down but if you pick a power five it goes up is that true is like how does that work um you know i i i wasn't big in the recruiting you know the the ranking side of it when i was at rivals i was more on the covering the recruits within the pac 12 and um a part of that scene of it all but when it comes to the rankings and and these uh you know recruits and the way that this all business goes now when it comes to the whole ratings deal um for the fans don't let it don't let it affect you in the way you the way you preview this player. It has nothing to do with the way he plays football. Um, it's all industry rated rankings that are all based off of NFL draft projections. It's really based off of who what these guys can be at the NFL level. And for me, um, it's hard to tell what a guy could do at the NFL level when he's 16, 17 yeah. years old. So for me, I don't I don't necessarily relate to that scale. I understand why they do that for the large masses. Um, but for me to be able to rate a kid and say he's a first round draft pick at 17 years old, I think that's a really, really tough um, you know, thing to stick on a kid when he's only 16, 17 years old and still developing in his body and his frame um, and, and still developing his game and his football IQ. He's not even advanced a, a, as a football IQ player um, at 17 years old. So there's a lot for that kid to learn and a lot for these kids to learn before the NFL is even a, a thought you know, when, when they're going through their college, when they're going through their college careers. That's fair. It's, I don't know. It is funny how we do that though. I mean, basketball is a great example. Gigi Jackson was the number one guy in the, in the class, you know, he ends up going to South Carolina and then he's a second round draft pick, you know, 18 months later because people got too caught up in hype. Um, anyways, these, these are all very random questions. So I appreciate you kind of appeasing me here. But uh, I did want to talk to you, obviously, about these guys. And we've talked about Jordan Ross a little bit. We've talked about Darius Curry. Um, Have you been able to see any of these offensive linemen that CSU has been able to get committed? Uh, John Holthouse is a guy I know that's on board. Uh, Berlin Lillard. Um, They've got a couple of them here. They don't necessarily have a ton of other offers, but it feels like CSU has a very specific approach with the way they're recruiting offensive linemen. They're just trying to get really big athletic guys and they'll coach them up. Like it doesn't matter that they're not necessarily the refined at that position yet. They just want the size and athleticism, that specific profile. Sure. And you know, I, I'm going to mention a guy that you haven't mentioned yet when it comes to online recruiting. And that's Philip O'Connor out of St. Louis or St. Francis, uh, locking out out here in the Pasadena area. Um, he's a guy six, four, 315 pounds, definitely going to play offensive guard at the next level. But he's a big, imposing body that's willing to be a downhill, violent blocker. Um, you know, I think when you when you look at the way that CSU is recruiting offensive linemen, 
They want violence. They want athleticism and they want fast feet right off the snap of the football. Um, and that's what you could see, you know, that's a very, uh, you know, uh, similar characteristic to all these guys when you're evaluating these guys' tapes is all these guys are, are fast off the football. They're mm-hmm. violent at the point of attack and they're very downhill violent blockers. Um, and I, I think Billy Best and company did a great job of identifying what fits the, the build of an offensive lineman here at CSU. And it seems like they've done a really good job of finding that in these kids. I mean, John Holthouse is a guy that I saw in the state championship game uh, this last year. Um, it was Sarah against St. John Bosco. Uh, I mean, he's a big body, all the six, seven, 280 pounds, um, you know, got a great frame to work with, build into, but he's still very raw. Um, there's a lot of lot of upside there. Really got to work on his knee bend. Um, really got to work on his hand placement a little bit. There's times where you kind of see his hands on the outside shoulders. He's really got to get him inside of an inside chest plate. Um, but he's a guy that really ha- has some intriguing traits, you know, for being a six, seven guy. He's got some athleticism and it'll really pay off for him. And, you know, Berlin Lillard is another kid, you know, out of Bishop of Dad of the Bay Area, um, you know, at all is six, five, 300 pounds, got a really good build to work with. Um, he's somebody that's quick off the snap, you know, shows some really athletic traits when it comes to his game. You know, he, he's a guy that can play at the second level if need be. Um, really, really good knee bend for him. And, you know, he's somebody that's got some serious upside um, being over there at Bishop of Dad that, that's got a really good track record for, de- for developing kids. So um, really like his upside. Um, and I, I, I don't think they're done yet when it comes to recruiting offensive line in this class. I think they definitely have one or two left in the boat. I'm glad you mentioned the that some of these programs and their track record for producing talent. That's one of the things that's jumped out to me with this class is, you know, to go into places like, you know, Long Beach Poly, obviously, where, where Curry is out of and, and to get these type of players. That's pretty significant, especially given, I mean, CSU hasn't had a winning season since 2017. Right. And, you know, Chad Savage does a great job of prioritizing Long Beach alone. I mean, he's got two kids from the city of Long Beach and at Marty and at Mari Binion um, and Darius Curry. Both of those kids and Mari's over at Long Beach Milligan um, and Darius Curry is over at Long Beach Poly. Um, and Mari's a kid from last year played at St. Pius St. Matias over in Downey, California, just transferred this offseason um, over to Long Beach Milligan. But he was a kid that was just a super raw prospect when it came to watching the kid. Um, you know, I was I first saw him in person and I, I immediately uh, pulled him out of the, of the rest of the kids that, that were standing there at St. Pius. And I, I thought, who the heck is this kid? And it was a long, lanky 6'5", at the time, 220 pounds, just came off the basketball court and has now fully transitioned to football. And then you watch him in his first step and, you know, you really see how athletic he is off the ball. Um, you can see the motors there, really got to work on some hand, hand placement things and, you know, continuing to build off his you know, variety of pass plus moves w- within his rush. Um, but you watch the kid, man, there is some explosiveness there off the football. And it's really going to be intriguing to see the way that he gets developed, you know, in Fort Collins. Um, and during the spring, when when coaches got to see him in person, got to watch him move, um, it became clear that he was a hot commodity in the Mountain West um, when it came to being recruited at that level, just for his size and athleticism alone with that combination. Um, so really, really awesome to see there. And you know, Darius, Darius Curry is a kid I've been watching since, you know, he was 13, 14 years old. Um, now I'm watching him in high school. Um, you know, he was at St. Bernard's for a little bit um, for his freshman year. Transfers over to Long Beach Poly and and freaking lights it up, man. Um, you know, he's he spent a short stint even with, um, you know, the Iyama Leava brothers. They were over at Long Beach Poly for a little bit in the offseason this last year. Um, and he didn't let any of that get to him. 
Um, you know, he came in, I wanted to be the starter, wanted to be the, wanted to be the immediate guy. And, um, was that dude when the Yamaleava brothers transferred back to Warren high school before the fall season this last year. So back in 22. So, um, you know, I think Darius Curry has, has, you know, gone through some ups and downs. He's a kid that that's, that's kept a very even keel mindset and he's somebody with a whole lot of ability, you know, and, and doesn't let his height define his game. Um, he's a super athletic kid outside of the pocket. Um, really dynamic player that I think stem plays with his feet, but you watch the kid, um, throws off his front foot and, you know, does a really good job of launching that football down the field. He's got a really, really live arm and has a knack, um, for consistently getting the ball in the hands of guys in the vertical game. So his ball placement's really, really impressive for a kid at his age. So, um, there's a reason why, uh, CSU prioritized him in this recruitment. Um, just considering, um, his relationship with Chad, Chad Savage, the rest of that staff. And, um, you know, I think mommy in, in regards to his offense and what they're doing over there, I mean, they are throwing the freaking rock, right? So, um, to get a guy like Darius Curry to come into CSU and, um, with a live arm, he has yet the, the athletic ability to extend plays, um, you know, outside of the pocket. Um, this is a kid that fits what they're doing over there, um, in Fort Collins. He's exciting, dude. Like just watching some of that film, I wouldn't say he's a dual threat just because I think there's right. kind of like a tag that goes with that, where it's like, you're looking to run. Whereas when I watch him and it's obviously a small sample size on huddle, you've seen him infinitely more, but right. what stood out is you can see he's looking downfield. He's trying to create something. He's not just taking off for since, and I love quarterbacks like that. Where it's, yeah. I mean, I can, I can buy some time. I'm going to create something, but I'm just right. not the minute something goes wrong. The minute the structure goes out of place, I'm just going to dip my head and then take off. That can just right. be, be a crutch for so many young quarterbacks. And he just, he looks so poised out there. Yeah, he, he is a he is a ringleader for that Long Beach Poly team. Um, he is very calm, cool, collected, despite any stress that goes on throughout the duration of a game. Um, I've watched the kid for a couple of years and um, he's played against some big time opponents and on some, on some huge stages out here in Southern California. And he's lived up to the hype, lived up to the expectation and, there's a reason why that, you know, below six feet, 190 pounds, um, he was getting multiple power five offers and for good reason. And um, for me and watching this kid, Colorado State got an absolute steal out of Long Beach Poly. Well, man, I don't want to take up too much of your time here. I really appreciate you. Let me pick your brain um, before I let you go. Did you did you have any more thoughts you want to throw out on any of these guys? I didn't want to just like go one through 15 down the line and be like, all right, sure. Any thoughts on him. But. Is there anybody else in this class that kind of jumps out to you or any points you just had that you would like to make? Yeah, of course. I mean, Jordan Ross, like we've mentioned earlier, that's a four-star prospect heading to the Mountain West and specifically to Colorado State. Uh, huge get uh, for Chris Norvell and company. Um, you know, he's a receiver that's super explosive, dynamic after the catch, really fluid route runner, crisp route running in and out of breaks. Um, he's somebody that does a great job of sticking his hips and, you know, is a really polished route runner. Um, and I think that's what Chad Savage really liked about this kid and um, prioritized him in the recruitment. Um, you know, you keep going down the list. Corey Hall, Cleveland High School. This is L.A. City section ball, a low key program. But as somebody, you know, that was that was a hidden gem this cycle that's kind of blossomed in his recruiting. And, you know, also was another kid that had multiple power five offers. Mm -hmm. um, Corey's a long receiver at 6'2", 200 pounds. Really, really dynamic in the vertical game. He's somebody that's still kind of on more of the raw side when it comes to route running ability. Has to sink his steps a bit more in and out of breaks and become a little bit more explosive in that regard. But 
Um, he's got some really, really intriguing traits when it comes to his game. Um, you know, his ability to stretch it go vertically um, in, you know, in the 50, 50 ball, he can win that matchup the majority of the time. And um, he's somebody that's going to be really, really exciting in this offense. And I think, you know, a player comp early, this might be, you know, a little early for Corey Hall, but um, definitely think for him, he reminds me of Romeo Dubs from a couple years ago from, from I Nevada. I said that on the pod. I, I love it. it it's you yeah. just throw that up and it's it's not a 50-50 ball. It's like an 80-20 ball in his favor. Right. And he's somebody that can really go up there and get it. And Romeo Dubs is a guy that, you know, out of the Mountain West, specifically in Nevada, was developed under Chad Savage. And um, now with the Green Bay Packers, had a, had a terrific career in Reno. Um, and really lit it up over there in that conference. And um, I think Corey Hall will do just that over there at Colorado State. And I think it's a huge get for for that staff. Um, but yeah, I think I think the staff has done a really good job of um, prioritizing the right places to recruit, finding the right kids that fit what CSU is all about, fit their culture, fit what they're all about. And um, really intrigued to see what they can do um, when they come in, in into Fort Collins here next summer. So. Um, I think there's there, there's some really exciting things happening in Fort Collins, and CSU fans should be really excited. Man, this has been a blast. I, I appreciate you coming on here. I could, God, I could ask you recruiting questions for hours, but um, <laughs> we're definitely gonna have to get you on the pod again in the future. I, I appreciate you so much. Um, tell the people where they can follow you, though. Yeah, so you can catch me on Twitter at Alec Simpson Five. Um, I'm on Twitter and uh, also on Instagram at Alex and six. So uh, catch you on either one of those and uh, look forward to interacting and uh, staying in touch. What would you say if I told you I'd be the greatest MC that there ever was? And what would you say if I told you that I could take a bunch of kids from the bottom and bring them to number one? And would you say if I told you and nobody in the Brock and Buzz sold out crowd? Damn, that shit is crazy. You probably never make it when you listening to that right now. I said we on now.